0: If you look through our Catholic tradition, we have all sorts of different ways of depicting the Blessed Virgin Mary. We've got all sorts of canvases, all sorts of artwork, and even statues that really depict who Mary is and try to capture and really give us thought as far as what she imitated and what she did with her life, all of the different virtues and all of the different things that she was known for. But one of my favorite depictions is more of a type, but it's still an important type, I would argue, nonetheless that I've always enjoyed stained glass of the Blessed Virgin Mary. Now, there's a certain pattern to it that it's often very familiar, that we see the blues, we see the different colors that really represent her, and we know the different sort of scenes that are taken from her life. But there's a particular image that I always enjoy, and it's whenever the sun is blasting through that glass and really illuminating that window. It's not just the window that it's illuminating, but rather it illuminates the church that it hits, that we see that sunlight being reflected, being sort of transformed in a way, and really being cast along for everyone to see in a particular beauty. And this isn't just a physical reality. It isn't just something that we can look at and see in stained glass, but we know that the Blessed Virgin Mary herself was, in fact, radiating God's glory for all of us to see, and she was doing it in a very particular way. That it's not just something that's relegated to stained glass, but it's something that she did by her very life. But it's something that she did from the very beginning, even before the time where she could readily choose. That even from the very beginnings of time, she was the one that was chosen to be the mother of God. But as we walk through the readings in the Gospel, it really gives us a different perspective on this, because the first two readings at least don't seem to be related at all, and yet they really give us a powerful insight into exactly who Mary is and how God chose her from the very beginning. If we start off with the book of Genesis, we're very familiar with this story because it tells us that moment in the fall, that moment when everything fell. And so we hear this story and we know it very well that the woman had taken the fruit of the tree and eaten it given it to her husband and he had eaten also and instantly their eyes are opened. And then God eventually comes along and he knows that they've eaten the fruit of this tree. And so he starts to dole out punishment because of these things, because there were consequences to their action. And yet, notice that the church gives us today the consequence and the reaction for the serpent. And it's not by accident that this happens. But instead, it's really trying to emphasize something of the threat that God issues to that serpent. Because he's talking about this enmity that's being put out, and it's between the serpent and between the woman and her offspring. And this isn't just any woman. But in fact, this is the first prophecy that the Blessed Virgin Mary was going to come in time. That as we're looking at the fall of the Old Eve, the New One is already being proclaimed. And there's a certain element of beauty to this because we know that God had every right to be very angry and very upset at that point. And yet he promises that there's going to be salvation eventually, that there's already a plan at work to restore that salvation. And so he's already telling us how exactly that's going to happen, what exactly is going to unfold to make the kingdom of heaven possible again. But he does that in the context of threatening that serpent, telling him that there's going to be warfare, that there's going to be even the spiritual reality and battles that go on between him and between the son of the woman, between Mary and between Jesus himself. And we move on and we hear St. Paul in his letter to the Ephesians, and this might not seem to directly correlate with Mary either, and yet it does in a very profound way, because we hear about how God has chosen us before the foundations of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. And that's not just for us, but it's in a special way attached to the Blessed Virgin Mary, because she was the one that was chosen before all time to be holy and blameless in God's sight, that she was the one that was chosen to be the mother of God. And it's most fitting that she would be the one that's without sin, even from the very first beginnings, even from the moment of her conception, because she was the one that needed to be perfect to to bring about the Son of God, the one to bring him into the world. And so it's very fitting that she was without sin through that entire time. And so God was already planning at the very beginnings from the foundation of the world that he knew that this fall was going to occur, but he also knew how he was going to save all of humanity from that fall. And so he continues to go through the steps and the different things that he needs to do to make it possible for the Son of God to walk amongst us. One of the most important being the Blessed Virgin Mary. And so it's was no accident that she was immaculately conceived and conceived without sin, but he knew that he needed that perfect vehicle, that perfect Ark of the Covenant, to bear the Christ child to the world, and that is the Blessed Virgin Mary. So from the very beginning, she was preserved from original sin and from every type of sin so that she would be able to bear that Son of God. That's what St. Paul in his letter to the Ephesians reminds us, not just that we are called to be holy and blameless in his sight and without blemish, but he's rather called the Blessed Virgin Mary to be that in a super way. And then finally we arrive at the Gospel, and we are very familiar with this passage because it tells us about that moment of the Annunciation, that moment whenever the angel Gabriel approaches Mary and asks her to be the Son of God, or to be the mother of the Son of God. And whenever that occurs, we see Mary's response, but also the ways that she's confused, the ways that she doesn't seem to quite get what the angel's saying, at least on the external. And yet there's this beautiful reality that whenever that angel Gabriel approaches Mary, he says, hail full of grace, the Lord is with you. He doesn't say that that's in the future, but he says that in the present. He says the Lord is already with you, the Lord is working in your heart and in your soul, that he's already been there, that he's been preparing for this moment, and the moment has finally arrived. And so whenever the angel Gabriel's approaching this moment, he's actually telling Mary about all of the preparation that has happened, all of the different things that have ha- occurred all the way up to bringing Mary to this point, that she indeed has been filled with this grace, and that all of heaven and earth is waiting for her, yes. And we hear about this and we know the doctrine of the Immaculate Conception. We know about Mary's conception and how it's most fitting that she would be without sin so that she could bear the Son of God. But what does that really invite us to do ourselves? It does certainly highlight for us her important role amongst all of us and the ways that she enjoys this pride of place amongst all of us because she was preserved from sin even from the first moment of her conception, something that we ourselves cannot claim because we all had original sin whenever we entered in this world. But Mary did not by the grace of God and by that planning for the Son of God to come. And so we celebrate her in a specific way, but we also celebrate the ways that she manifests God's glory. Because if we look at St. Paul in his letter to the Ephesians, he reminds us that all of this is done for the glory and praise of God. And indeed, Mary would have it no other way. That she has all of these beautiful things happening to her, and even the Immaculate Conception itself, something that she could have not merited by any possibility, and yet that all points towards the glory of God. And that's really the way that Mary would have it. That even from the first moments of her existence, he was always planning for sending his son. And so this really points us to the ways that he's being generous with us and the ways that he's continuing to call her into relationship and to even give us the son of God through her. But it's also an important moment for each of us to consider because we see Mary and how God had a specific plan for her life. That even from the very beginnings, he had already set this plan in motion. But it should show each of us that our lives are no accident that we, too, are celebrating the fact that we have a plan sent to us from God. And so often in life, we're trying to figure out what exactly that looks like. But there's a plan nonetheless. And it's an important reminder for each one of us because it gives us that encouragement to follow God's plan no matter where it goes, so that whenever we go about our daily business and whenever we do whatever we need to do, that we're doing everything for the greater glory of God. That We see the plan that he's set in motion just like the plan he's set in motion in Genesis, but we're also noting how he sets plans in motion in our own life and how he continues to call us to praise and to glorify him through our very lives ourselves. That's really the beauty of Mary being depicted in stained glass, because she's not opaque, she's not focused on bringing about her own glory, she's not focused on bringing about her own sort of praise, but she always points towards God, and God's allowed to radiate through her, just like that stained glass lets sun go through it as well. And that's really a beautiful and important reminder for each one of us, that as we celebrate the Blessed Virgin Mary today and every day, that she doesn't just do that for her own praise or for her own glory, but she always points us back to God. And that should really be our goal as well, that no matter where we go, no matter what we do, that through God's plan, we point back to him and we praise and glorify his holy name. So my brothers and sisters, we celebrate this beautiful day and this beautiful solemnity of the Immaculate Conception, mindful of what God did through Mary and the ways that Mary cooperated with that plan. Let us also be so bold as to cooperate with God's plan, so that we too may praise, honor, and magnify our God.